Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Tekla Cholfi is a journalist and an editor, and she's the genius behind Tex in the City. Tekla's been part of the music industry in South Africa for the last 10 years in various capacities, namely journalism, radio presenting, event curation, and artist management. Now, I met her in 2012. I was on tour in Cape Town, and I did an interview on Fafanel's show on MFM in Stellenbosch. He had asked me to prepare a cover of something that was in the charts, in the top 10. And so I did Shadow Club's Guns and Money, and Tekla tweeted about it, and it started a deep respect for this woman here. We've had some major parties and have mellowed in our old age, I'm pretty sure. I mean, okay, I'm calling me old. She's not old at all. She's magnificent, and she is talking to us from Cape Town. Hi, Tex. Oh my God, that is such a beautiful introduction. And I am old. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, we, <laughs> I haven't mellowed though. Definitely not. Well, I must say, I keep seeing these photos of you and you look like you have not aged a day. <laughs> it's really, really good filters. That's all I can say. But also, I have the worst memory in the world. And the fact that you remember that story, like our first interaction. And as you were saying, I was like, oh my gosh, like I completely forgot about that. But those were good times. Those were really good times. I remember religiously listening to Fafa's show. And then obviously we became friends out of that. So that moment in time revealed to me that there is a community of people who support the arts in this country and who are really behind the musicians here. It was really lovely. And so that love and community has followed me throughout my career. But I want to know a little bit about what led you to music and what sparked your love of it. I think, I mean, for me, music is a way to look at and to learn about the world, you know, a way to escape. I was always very curious about music, about different kinds of genres and then ultimately South African music when I developed a keen interest in it and love for it. When I was studying at UCT, one of my very good friends was studying at Stellenbosch. And Stellenbosch had a thriving scene at that time. It was a crossover from the Belleville Rock City scene. And so did the City Bowl. So during the week, I would spend my weekdays in town. And then on the weekend, I would go and stay with her and Joel at uh, Bohemia and Anklaas and Mystic Boer and, you know, all of those places. And that was ultimately where my love for the local scene grew. And I mean, at the time, MCAR was in its prime. And a lot of my favorite bands still were born from that channel. I think it was like the golden age of rock and folk and indie in this country. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I felt a pang of longing right then as you spoke for those times. (laughs) Please come back. (laughs) Yes, please. So now if you were to look at your career as a timeline, what five highlights, and it doesn't have to be five, it can be three, it can be 10, but what highlights would give context 
to a listener who isn't familiar with the force of nature that is you in this industry? I think the first one would be when I started Tex in the City. I mean, I was so unsure about what I was doing, what I was going to do. And like everything was so new and fresh and blogging wasn't even a thing yet. Social media wasn't even a thing yet. Instagram hadn't even launched. <laughs> uh, God, showing my age. I think, you know, with everything being trial and error, I look back on the time when I started Text in the City with very fond memories because we were all in it together. And when I say we, I mean all of the other blogs that started at the same time. So My City by Night, We Are Awesome, Don't Party, What Else, Mahala. So we were all like this big family and we all sort of helped each other as things started to grow. And Craig Stack from My City by Night would message me and be like, someone wants to see a rate card. I don't know how much to charge for a post. And then I'd message him and I'd be like, ah, oh, an advertiser wants to know my floor rate. I don't know what that means. And uh, yeah, so I, I look back on when I started Tex in the City with with immense pride, but also <laughs> like MK, I look back on it like the glory days. So that yeah. would be number one. Number two, I think would be when I got my job at Deezer. So they found me, my boss at the time found me through Tex in the City which I still get goosebumps about every time I think mm. about it. And I worked at Deezer for almost five years. And I mean, we achieved some pretty great things. It was such an interesting time for streaming in the country because also everything was new and fresh back then. And the only other streaming service that was in the country at that time that I started working for Deezer was Simfy. So Apple Music wasn't even a thing. Spotify wasn't here. Yeah, so it was very challenging to work for a streaming service in a country where people didn't understand the concept of streaming yet. So that was pretty cool. I think the, the third highlight, if you want, I think it was 2015. Everything really came to fruition. Like all of the work that I've been doing on the local music scene and text in the city, it started to gain traction. I was working for Deezer and I was selected as male and guardian 200 young South Africans. Oh which is not something that you can essentially like buy your way into. <laughs> you need to be, you need to be voted in by your peers. And so at the time to have what I was doing on the music scene recognized meant the world to me and, and still does. I look back on that as well with immense pride. And then what are we now we're on four? So four, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hit that five. Watch me hit that five. I think that under the umbrella that is Tex in the City. I've been afforded the opportunity to do some incredible things, to manage some incredible bands, to put on some incredible events. But I think that my acoustic event series at the Two Oceans Aquarium stands as the jewel mm. in my crown. I'm totally obsessed with the place, one. And two, I was able to marry my work with one of the most beautiful places in the country. And we put on seven sold out events over two years and it makes me incredibly proud. And we would have done a third season, but Corona mm. and this year things are still very up in the air. But the Two Oceans Aquarium, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful places in the country, if not the world. And the fact that it's still open. It's been open for 25 years. Last year well, was their 25-year anniversary, and we would have had a big shebang. But like most businesses, it suffered a lot during lockdown. And I think the fact that when it opened, 
the public still supported it is testament to the team that work there, but also the incredible work mm-hmm. that they do. And then five. <laughs> Told you I get to five. I think uh, five would be Text Talks, which is the music interview podcast that I started last year. And I think in and amongst the absolute shitstorm that yeah. was last year, the fact that I started a new company and it turned out to be profitable within its first 10 months of business really i mean <laughs> it's pretty incredible and and so so the company that we started is called unicorn media and then text talks falls under the umbrella of that and text talks is the sort of bastion of unicorn media and eventually going forward this year in 2021 and then further we'd like to start developing other podcasts as well so branching out into other genres other categories but yeah i mean the podcast really gives me something to look forward to the recording of every episode but also during lockdown it really was my lifeline (laughs) otherwise i think i would have gone mad it's so exciting i'm so proud of you well, thank you. And as you say, to start a business and to make it profitable at all, when, I mean, everything feels so hard, is a real triumph, actually. Thank you so much. And I mean, I say I, but I should really say we, because nothing that I've done in my career, nothing that I've achieved in my career, have I achieved mm-hmm. alone. And my team at Text Talks, they're phenomenal. They're absolutely incredible. And they, <laughs> they light a fire under my butt when I don't want to work and they're, you know, great collaborators and they're incredibly inspirational. So yeah, Amazing. all about the team. Amazing. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but let's start with Ticks in the City. Mm. I mean, it's an institution in this country. How long has it been going? Old, old ass, <laughs> old ass. It's as old <laughs> as me. No, <laughs> it's been going for 12 years. Unbelievable. I know. And it started out as a blog spot. I say this all the time, but it was born out of my procrastination to not do any work at UCT. So I started, <laughs> so I started it while I was in the library. It's crazy. And then at the time I was writing for, you know, I was writing for a street press music publication called the OLMG, RIP. And people really enjoyed what I was writing. And my friends were like, oh, it only comes out once a month. Why don't you start writing something on like a daily basis? And then I spoke to my mother about it. And she was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a great way to hone your talents. And I was like, actually, you know what? That's a really good idea. So Uh, When I started it, I would just write about random stuff. My first post was about my friend who was Irish and it was St. Patrick's Day and, you know, (laughs) it's like the most random things. And then slowly but surely it started to be music focused. And now it's grown into a fully fledged website that houses 12 contributors. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. It's wonderful. If you had to sum it up in less than three sentences. Uh, you know how much I love to talk. That's why you said three sentences. Uh, <laughs> I would say that Texas in the City is home to a team of young contributors who support the legends of tomorrow today. And I think that the reason that we've been going for so long is because we love what we do and we care about the music. A lot of sites have come and gone over the years, but we've remained because we've got heart. And I think that's what separates us from other media entities. I love it. Okay. So (laughs) how do you choose your contributors? How have you built this team? So we've got a pretty vast team that's headed by myself. So I'm the editor and then Sky Malik, who is the videos and reviews editor. And we cover anything like 
As long as the artist is independent and the music is good, it's that simple. We cover a whole range of genres. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself, but it's been very interesting because obviously over the last 12 years, the scene has changed so much. So without sounding too dramatic, I had to adapt or yeah. die. Whereas we started out covering rock, indie, alternative folk music. Now we do amapiano, gom, hip hop, anything. Like I said, where the artist is independent and the music is good because the scene has changed so drastically. And so we had to change with it. And I think it would have been very stubborn for me to be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to write about yeah. anything else. Because also those up and coming artists deserve the same amount of love as other genres. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so exciting that you're doing that, actually. If a budding music journalist wants to write for you, how would they go about getting your attention? So I've gotten quite a bit of interest from young writers since the start of 2021, which I think is very exciting, which also, you know, proves to me that the scene is alive and well. And I think that if people are listening and they, they want to reach out and they want to write, all you have to do is send me an email at contact at texandthecity.com. That's text with two X's with a short write-up about yourself and links to any previous work that you've done. Very easy. Wonderful. Now, text talks. Let's talk a little bit about that. Your reasons for starting it, what you're enjoying, how you decide on your guests. At the time that we decided to start Tech Talks, it was at the end of 2019, and there was really nothing like it at the time. And we spoke about it for about three months before our first recording, and we set about creating a very high-quality product from the get-go, and we set the bar really high for ourselves. And I really wanted it to be thoroughly researched. I wanted it to be engaging and funny at times. I approached it with the same philosophy that I approached my writing. So if somebody reads a piece that I've written, at the end of the day, I want them to have learned one thing, one new thing. So I approach the podcast in the same way. After they listen to an interview, I want them to have learned one thing about Cuesta, one thing about Gulo, the song, one thing about Passenger. And I feel like that's what we've achieved. I mean, my strength, and this is also a testament to how the industry has changed over the years, my strength lies in sitting opposite somebody and talking to them and having a very casual conversation with them. And that magic sometimes gets lost when you put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Sometimes it's not translated as well and the rapport that I have with a musician doesn't come across as well. And when my producer, Jono Ings, I know you know Jono very well, when he said to me, why don't you have a podcast? I was like, oh, Jono, I don't have time. Now I do like a million and one things. Now I must add a podcast to that list and my plate as well. So why don't you help me? And then fast forward four or five months and you know <laughs> we had a podcast which is crazy which is crazy and amazing and i mean you've interviewed some incredible people do you have a favorite guest so far oh wow i think it would be a toss-up between the lumineers and casper nilvest oh my gosh but it's also it's so vast like think about those two names that i just said i said the lumineers and then i said casper <laughs> nilvest like there couldn't be further removed from one another. But I think that the Lumineers was really interesting because we had a lot of technical difficulties when we were recording that, but somehow it still ended up sounding magic. 
And it was also the second time that we recorded two people at the same time. And Wes and Jeremiah were both in separate places. The first time we recorded two people at the same time was BCUC. We were in studio. That was before COVID. And so the fact that it ended up working so well was just great. And then Casper Njovest, I mean, it's Casper Njovest. I was so nervous before I spoke to him, more nervous than anybody. Mm. I think I was like, don't fuck us up, don't fuck us up. Please. And he was so humble, so great, and also very willing to talk about things that I didn't know if he wanted to, like his beef with AKA. He was very straightforward about how like doesn't like him. And he spoke about, you know, being a new father and his role as a black man in society. I just, yeah, it was the first time that I ever spoke to him. So he left a, a really great impression on me. Amazing. I'm actually, I'm going to go and listen to that episode this afternoon. Oh my God, you must. If you listen to one episode, let it be that one. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you make it sound like I haven't listened to any. I went and listened to Msaki's because she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also Msaki, that conversation the first time didn't come out right, so we had to do it again. The second time we did it, it was like doing it for the first time. And I felt like I was talking to an old friend oh. and it, we just had this great rapport. And she's so smart, so deep. And her words are so rich. And the way that she contextualized our conversation, I could have spoken to her for like another two hours. So great. I'm such a big fan of hers, actually. We, um, we've spoken about interviewing her. Stuff keeps getting in the way. So I keep thinking to myself, okay, I'm just going to be a better podcaster first, and then I'm going to interview her. Nah, you just got to rope her. <laughs> just got to rope her. Be like, I'm calling you in half an hour. I'm like, you have no, you have no <laughs> chance to get out of this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I might try that, actually. Um, okay, is there anything that you're working <laughs> on at the moment that particularly excites you? Do you have any calls to action? No calls to action at the moment, but we are in the middle of recording season four now. So, I mean, I've settled into a bit of a groove now with season four. At the beginning, the first few episodes that we recorded, it's always a bit like stop, mm. start. You know, I'm like, oh, I need to get into this again. It's like if you haven't driven for a while, yeah. you know. I think that season four is probably the wackiest season yet. And... Again, it's a good cross-section of local and international guests. So, yeah, fun things in the pipeline. Wonderful. Now, this last year has been so challenging for musicians, any artist in South Africa. And I think COVID has highlighted and brought to the fore a lot of the stuff that we were experiencing. But it's just made it so much more visceral. Now, having worked with Deezer, SA for a bit, you're the prime person mm -hmm. to chat to about streaming. It's the age we're living in. And rather than bitching and moaning about it, because I definitely have spent a fair bit of time bitching and moaning, but I'm figuring out <laughs> that there are ways to make it work for us. What advice do you have on how musicians can make it work for them? Yeah, so I also work freelance for Apple Music now as well. So it's been very interesting to watch the different processes from one company to another. But the Apple Music team in South Africa are so thorough and so dedicated. So I feel very fortunate to be able to work with them. But I think that in terms of advice for musicians, I always tell them that you have to have your music on every platform because you don't know what platform your listener uses. So find out from your local contacts, somebody like me, like who are your local contacts at local streaming services and invest a bit of time in finding out about algorithms and how you can get playlisted. 
Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of local tools like that in terms of FAQs, but I promise you that they are from an international perspective. You just need to spend like an afternoon or two online trawling the depths of Google to educate yourself like you would about anything, you know, like if you're learning an instrument. It's the same thing. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a producer in the Netherlands. He was saying it's important to release on a Friday, not a Monday. And he said it like I knew it, which I did not know it. I didn't want to seem like I didn't know it. So I didn't say to him, why would you do that? Why do you have to release on a Friday and not a Monday? So I wondered if you knew. So yeah, it's been like this for the last five or six years. I can't remember when exactly it happened, but I remember I was still working at Deezer and there was just the moratorium that came out and they were like, okay, it's going to be Friday now. This is what's happening. Okay. It's International Day for all releases. <laughs> and I feel like even though it's only a recent occurrence, it's great in terms of being able to centralize the amount of info that's coming out. That does make it a bit more difficult for musicians because you have to cut in and amongst the noise to get heard. Yeah. But it also makes it easier for the people who work at the streaming services in order to prioritize what gets playlisted, when playlists get updated. And then it also makes it easier for the user because, you know, okay, so my favorite playlist Oh, whatever, New Music Friday. Mm. It always gets updated on a Friday. My favorite playlist, Beachfront Indie, always gets updated on a Friday. So you know when to look for new stuff. There are, I mean, I have worked with the odd South African musician that's like, ah, whatever. Like, we don't care. <laughs> We're going to release on a Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, that's cool. You know, I understand being rebellious and bucking the trend, fine. But just know that if you do, the chances of you not getting playlisted are very high mm. because they have those processes in place for a reason. Yeah. I mean, that's very important information. And it's interesting information for a consumer and a listener because you know to check in on a Friday. If you didn't know before, now you know. Exactly. Now, how far in advance before release day on streaming platforms should an artist submit the tracks to their digital distributor? I would say one month in advance. Mm. So, okay. So basically what happens is let's say you're using, I'm a musician and I am using TuneCore as my aggregation service and I upload my music to TuneCore one month before my due date. It takes about two weeks for TuneCore to ingest that music into their system. And then it takes another two weeks for them to deliver your music to each service mm. and then for it to kind of like be in the pipeline and for it to be released on the day. So if I decide tomorrow I want to release a song a week from now and I set the release date for a week from now, it's cool, I can set it, but chances are it's not even going to show up on the system, which really doesn't make any sense. And a lot of musicians take this chance. I've worked with a lot of campaigns before, and then all of a sudden they're like, come Friday, and they're like, ah, it's not live on Spotify. I'm like, well, when did you upload it? No, like a week ago. Well, I told you one month. So, you know, and then they cry, and then they're like, can't we phone someone at Spotify or can't we? No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So it's very, very important to upload minimum a month in advance. But also it's smart because then it gives you time to work on an integrated marketing campaign, social media campaign, you know. Yeah. And there also are ways with different aggregators to be able to maybe like three months ahead of the time drop one single, then two months ahead of the time drop another single. It can be done. You just need to do a little bit of research as to which aggregation system offers those services. 
Because I think a lot of independent artists are like, oh, I can't do it because I'm independent and I'm not signed to a label. And like the labels only offer those services. They don't. You really can do it by yourself. You just need to invest in finding out how. Yeah, I must say, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying that it's no longer anybody's fault but the artist's because there's so much information out there. We just have to take matters into our own hands now. Yeah, 100%. I like that a lot. (laughs) Be held accountable. Why is it so important to get on a playlist? It's important to get on playlists with high visibility Mm. with good listenership stats because that's the easiest and fastest way to grow your status on a platform. But there are also, but I know that there are people listening to this going like, yeah, but how, (laughs) how do we get onto different playlists? I don't understand. So if you don't have connections, existing connections, relationships with local teams, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, et cetera, There are services that you can subscribe to like Miko where you can pay a monthly fee and they give you a database of playlists and contacts for those playlists where you can email the owner in the hopes of getting playlisted on that playlist. And Miko isn't the only one like DistroKid have launched a beta version of this too in their app. Although it's it's offline at the moment. I checked the other day. I'm not 100% sure why. Maybe because it's beta. Anyway, but all you have to do like is spend an afternoon Googling. I think I've said this like four times now, but I promise you, you'll find that there are analytical tools and playlist directories that will be able to help you in the future. If you're very lazy and you don't want to do that, what I would suggest is to mess with the algorithm a little bit, try and be smarter than the algorithm. And on Spotify, how you do that is if your release comes out, you get everybody to click that heart button to basically like it. Then what happens is that automatically bumps it up on Spotify's algorithm. So it's more likely to be seen under the new release tab of people who like similar artists to you. That's the only way that you can get around that. But Spotify's playlisting tool works really, really well. All you have to do is sign up for Spotify for artists and check it out in the back end. Wonderful. This is incredibly valuable information. (laughs) Do you have any stories of artists who've got it wrong that you've noticed when it comes to the online model of music distribution? Oh, wow. I mean, shame. I don't want to name any names. (laughs) No, no, don't name any names. And there's so many artists that get it wrong because there really is no how-to guide. So it's the small things like what is a UPC code, when to set the release of their music, which is what we spoke about, like how to go about pitching to streaming services, what info they need when they pitch to streaming services in the first place. Uh, And I mean, you know, while I'm, while I'm saying all of this in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to build an FAQ of sorts for this, but yeah, I only have so (laughs) so much time on my hands. My problem, Tori, is that there's only one of me. (laughs) Yes, that is a problem, actually. (laughs) Oh my God, I wish there was another one of me. Yeah, I mean, so if anyone's listening to this and they want to help, like if they want to help me build an FAQ um, system, please hit me up. (laughs) No, that's a great idea. An FAQ system on Tex in the City, if you know enough about this stuff, definitely... Follow the links to find text. I'll tell you at the end of the show and we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now let's go back to this making a living in music, which we are told our whole lives, even if nobody says it to us directly, 
There is this myth of the starving artist archetype, and I'm so enough of it. <laughs> we're going to make livings in music because it is possible. And if we're going to struggle, because everybody's struggling right now, if we're going to struggle at something, struggle at something you love, right? A hundred percent. How have you seen artists getting creative about making a living whilst not able to do shows in real life at the moment? You know, I think that our entertainment industry is nothing if not resilient. And I think that the honing of live streaming is a testament to that. And in 2021, I think live streaming is going nowhere. It's just going to get a bit of a facelift, so to speak. Mm. I think with corporates and brands injecting more money into platforms to make it slicker, to make it function better, because it was all a bit rush, rush, April, May, when lockdown started and when COVID kicked off. But I've also seen artists getting creative with reward-based subscription platforms like Patreon in order to grow their fan base while also rewarding them and still making money mm. at the same time. So yeah, there've been a few entrepreneurial endeavors that I've seen crop up. Hardship breeds innovation. Yeah. And I feel like last year we cranked the knob up so high in terms of we had to go from zero to a hundred real quickly in order to survive and make money. And a lot of people did some incredible things. Yeah, they really did. But now as a music fan listening, because there are actual music fans out there, right? <laughs> if there's a music fan listening, how can they best support their favorite artists right now? Particularly if they don't have any extra cash to spare, because I think things are really challenging for everybody, not just the creatives. Yeah, I think if you can't come to the party with money, you can at least come to the party with social media support. Like hype your favorite newsos by tagging them in posts and stories. Like every little bit helps. I think the more noise you make about a local artist, the better. Because it's, as soon as you don't hear from somebody for a while, that's when you're like, uh-oh, like are they still around? What's happening? It's up to fan bases to keep things alive. Yeah. 100%. It's so interesting that you said that. I actually sent an email to someone the other day, and I've obviously been a little out of the scene since I had my babies, and I'm only just coming back, you know, and I sent an email to someone, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is a name I hadn't heard for a while. I thought it was spam. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, not ideal. Oh my God, whatever. You're never going to be spam. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Always number one in my heart. <laughs> you are a flatterer, and that is one of the reasons that I love you. No, your, your ultimate why. Why do you keep making things? What inspires you? Apart from having to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm really fortunate in the fact that I love what I do and I play in an arena where I can constantly keep branching out and experimenting and reinventing myself. I think, like I said before, the only problem is that there's not two of me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the team, the people, the team that I surround myself with supply me with daily motivation. I've said this before, I couldn't do what I do by myself, and they inspire me daily. Wonderful. Now, a song that you wish that you'd written. So, so this is a, it's a bit of a strange pick, because I think if this question's ever asked, it's normally like, Bohemian Rhapsody will be the answer, <laughs> like some sort of classic Beatles song or something. And I am obsessed with Frank Ocean. And I think that Thinking About You is one of the most exquisite songs I've ever heard. Lyrically, so subtle, melodically, and Frank Ocean is life. So that song. 
Wonderful. And now this is a question I ask musicians and it's different for other creatives. I know that. So it's an, it's an interesting question. Do you have a wish list collaboration? So, I mean, I've worked with some cool brands and some cool people over the years. And I mean, I think like if somebody had to have told me like three years ago that I was going to collab with the two oceans aquarium, I would have been like, what? <laughs> and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and he said to me, if you could throw a party, if you could throw an event post COVID anyway in South Africa, where would you throw it? And I was like, I'd love to throw a party on top of Table Mountain. Mm. It's like sunset vibes, limited amount of people, a few bands. So who knows? I'm putting it out into the universe. Yeah. If it happens, meh, it happens. <laughs> well, if it happens, I'm going to come back to this podcast and I'm going to section off the sound clip and I'm going to be like, woo, Nostradamus. <laughs> Manifestation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, as we run to the end of the show, independent artists who are trying to do it for themselves, what advice would you give them to keep them keeping on? I feel like a lot of musicians, especially a, a lot of younger indie musicians, feel like they might be flogging a dead horse right now because you can't gig, well, live gig anyway, and the scene feels a bit bleak at the moment. Yeah. But the tides will turn, and, and when they do, just make sure you're ready to jump back on the train and start working. Make sure that as soon as that opportunity presents itself, you can get back on there. Wonderful. And how can people get in touch with you? So you can check me out on texinthecity.com and at texinthecity, that's two X's on every platform. So you can see what it is that we've been doing for the last 12 years. And if you want to get hold of me personally, it's at texonfire, that's two X's on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for this. You are amazing so are you oh my god thank you so much for asking me to do this and hopefully in the next i don't know year two years where i've done a whole lot more exciting and cooler shit i can come back and we can talk about that <laughs> yeah i look forward to that let's do that yay if you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others Get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at Shotgun Tori. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. Calls don't bug me, girl. You're so lovely. Kinda like talking deeply with you. Kinda get lost in speaking issues. Excuse me, but I ain't gonna lie like my friends do. Shorty, I've been catching feels. You've been on my mind like mental thoughts don't end. Just visions feeling way too real. I'm falling in love. Can't let the control me. There's parts of my heart. like I was this gem or this dream to you and sitting in this dark place that we don't want to get out of it's almost frightening when there's a peak of light and someone 
stands out to you and makes you feel something. Time is kind of cruel, but life ain't quite fair. The time is kind of beautiful, like f***ed up nightmares. The time I was a mood that took our feet off the brakes. Got me staring down the homies trying to summon space. Girl, you're so gorgeous. I've been kind of clicking with your mind too, talking a bunch. Finding reasons we could speak like a high school crush. You the reason I ain't sleeping enough, boo. The homies keep on asking what's up, dude. Telling me she's it's beautiful. Smart as hell too, it's unusual. And her tongue sharp just like mine. She get me feeling dumbstruck with her tongue. I ain't gonna lie like my friends do, girl. You know you get me messed up. You've been on my mind like mental thoughts don't end. I'm feeling like I'm falling in love